On this episode of the JB Bodyworks podcast, we have an amazing guest, good friend of ours here at the shop. He is a serial entrepreneur. This guy has opened, operated, launched a ton of businesses internationally and here in the hospitality space. He worked at the Gerber Group, where he oversaw over 30 different properties. And currently, he is the hospitality director at Classic Car Club. We talk about the club, events that they're going to be throwing on in the next few months and weeks. He talked about his first car, what was his poster car, and we got into some really cool stuff. So without further ado, please welcome Noah Weinstein. So we met through the club, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, but you met our father uh, a few years back. Yeah, so um, in about 2008, I bought a used Maserati Coupe GT, uh-huh. which predated the Gran Turismo. Um, it was available in a manual. What color was that? Rosso Red. Okay. Um, Rosso Corso. Rosso Corso is the Ferrari color. Corsa, yeah. yeah. So, Real quick, what uh, was it like buying a car in 2008? Was it insane? Uh, much like it is today. You know? Yeah. Bought it online, actually. Um, lots of pictures, lots of conversation back and forth online. Purchased it uh, from a place in Naples, Florida. Had it shipped to New York, and when I got it, the paint looked a little iffy. Um, in particular, on the pillar near the gas cap, it almost looked like it had been blended poorly. Mm. So I brought it to a friend who looked at it and said, I think it may have been painted, but I know the guy who can tell you definitively what the deal is. And that was your dad. That was our dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I brought it in, and it turns out it was just poor quality paint job from the factory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately. <laughs> I like to talk about it, but it happens. Yeah. So, well, it's a long time ago. I really like that car, by the way. Uh, the, it was all the power plant. Okay. It was all the power plant. It had, this, it had the 360 motor in it. Yeah. Uh, it was a manual. The F1 was the weak link on that car. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had the manual. Um, I did everything you could to make it a little sportier, but it was a GT car. Yeah, that car on the Quattro Report. Movies made me like that car. It was yeah. two cars. Yeah. The Quattro Report was an entourage, which I loved. And yeah. then uh, in silver, Johnny Sack and Sopranos had that car, had. right? Yeah. And then yeah. Christopher had it. Christopher had it. So yeah. it was the yeah. car Christopher had, but in a manual. Okay. So yeah, yeah I, I dumped so much money into making that car sportier. Suspension, tubey exhaust, the whole thing. It sounded great. It looked okay. It drove okay. Uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of bang for the buck. We should do a series about all the cars that were purchased because of Christopher Moltisanti. Because a lot of our customers who That's love the Sopranos, Christopher Moltisanti cars. Yeah, like so. So I had the same Range Rover. As, I was just going to say well. we have a customer and, and Range Rover. At 4. some point, 4. I'm 4. like 4.6. 4.6. So at some point, I was like, oh no, like what's going on here? Am I like you know? <laughs> am I becoming Christopher, Christopher cars? Yeah. So. For better or worse. Yeah. 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 So then. I mean, I, well, from what I understand, that car had a little bit of an interesting history. Yeah, so I picked up that car. I brought it to your dad. Your dad said it was good. Don't get rid of it. Um, I brought it to a Maserati Ferrari dealership in Connecticut, and I pulled in, and I got a lot of attention. And I truthfully felt like I was being um, not hazed, but like people were like, oh, look at the guy with the cheap car. It's not a Ferrari, you know? Uh, and then next thing I knew, I was getting questions from the service managers, you know, where'd you get this car, you know, where'd you buy it, who owned it? And they pulled up the VIN and it turned out that it was actually spec'd and built for the CEO of Ferrari Maserati North America. Wow. So it was a one of one, tons of carbon, hand stitching, just yeah. lots of wow. nice little tweaks that made it unique. 
And he drove it for, I forget what the number was, but let's call it 5,000 miles and then they sold it. Hmm. So I paid something like 70% of the MSRP. Wow. That's pretty cool though that he drove the car and it was like manicured, you know, in terms of the order and it was like, yeah. you know. So I always wanted a Ferrari. My uncle was a Ferrari guy. And when I was maybe around 22, three, I called my uncle, hey, Unc, uh, there's this, this 308, I can afford it. It's the same price as a Subaru. And you know, I think I'm gonna buy it. And I was really excited. And he said, no, I get it. Take a breath. Just ask yourself if the window switch breaks. Will you be able to afford the $2,000 to repair the window switch? Really right? So I didn't buy that car. Fast forward a lot of years, I bought the Maserati and I was going through a toll and I pressed the window switch to lower it, paved the toll before everything was easy pass and the window wouldn't go back up. Mm. And I was like, you know. There's your uncle. My, wife, my wise uncle. And how much was that? $2,200. <laughs> That's brutal. That is yeah. abusive. Well, it's worse too. Like now, I've been seeing a lot of people talk about videos you know, if you get a, a Rolls Royce, for example, I saw this one guy, he made his, his following on Instagram and TikTok because he'll find the parts from BMW on that car yeah, yeah. that are like a third of the price. Right. Universal parts, yeah. So now, I mean, listen, I, our mom, he likes to tell the story. Our mom had uh, two Ghiblis, which okay. is a car that people like to trash on. They really shit on that car for life of a way of saying Love it. Love to hate. Yeah. And it was so reliable. But... A lot of people like to talk about the part spins, right? Like you, yeah. you look at that car. Chrysler. Have you seen the Tonale? Yeah. And and the the Hornet, it, it's undeniable. It's undeniable. Yeah. And so I. I like the Tonale. The Tonale is nice. Nice spec Tonale. So is the so is the Hornet. <laughs> you start to wonder, like, are cars? It's kind of like the movie business, right? Like, how many more Top Gun remakes do we need? Right. You know, are we gonna just keep sharing platforms? Like, you see the Taycan, and you see the Audi e-tron. I think we're gonna see more and more of it. Economies of scale. I, the first time I saw the Audi e-tron on the road, I was taken aback by how beautiful I thought it was. You know, it's a great looking EV. A lot of EVs aren't great looking. And I remember I got to the club and I asked Zach, our resident EV expert, and he was like, yeah, same, same platform. You know, basically the same car. For how life. do you feel about electric cars? I like them. I think they're important. Um, I miss the vibration and the sound of it. But I like them. Um, we have quite a few. Um, we have Lucids. We have Rivians. We have a Taycan Turbo. Um, I like them to varying degrees, but I think there's a place for them. Yeah. Um, What's the, your favorite of those? The infrastructure, by the way, is the problem, not the cars. Yeah, um, I agree. The Taycan Turbo. So the Lucid is undeniably a great car. Um, the Taycan Turbo speaks to me the most. It feels like a Porsche. Okay. It, like they nailed it. It's... The one EV I've driven that's based on an ICE car that really feels like that, the brand. It's, it's okay. just, it, they nailed it. It's on brand. You can drive it. It looks like, the best. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sometimes I mean, the Panamera now looks yeah. like it, right? So, yeah. yeah. A lot of people yeah. come in and they say it's a nice Panamera. I, I think uh, as an American who likes wagons, I'm kind of in a, a bit of like a weird section of people who don't really get talked to at the uh, car meets. But I think the Sport Turismo is a really nice car. Like so we, we have one of those. It, it's amazing looking. I yeah, think they're like great. in that nice blue you've been seeing them in. Yeah, we have it in. Uh, That's hot. I'm not sure. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but we have it in that chalk. I think it might be called chalk. Okay. Chalk gray. Is it called chalk on a, on a 911 or a Porsche? Not yeah, gray. I'm pretty sure it's chalk. Chalk. Yeah. yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. I've been wrong before, but I think it's yeah, chalk. I could, gray. I could yeah. be wrong too. So let's take a step back and okay. talk about who you are and what you do and sure. get into that. My name is Noah Weinstein. I'm the managing director of hospitality at the Classic Car Club in Manhattan. Can you explain to those people out there exactly what Classic Car Club Manhattan is yeah. and what you do and 
the whole situation because we are members and we go a ton. And every time that we invite someone, they're like, what is it? I don't understand the idea. So just break that idea down for people. Sure. So it's the best kept secret in the world, um, which at times is a blessing and at times a curse, right? Um, we were founded in London in 1995. We came to New York 10 years later in 2005. Initially, we were basically a large showroom slash warehouse space, a garage space um, with a fleet of give or take 30, 35 cars. And the premise was you could join the club and drive the cars. So in 2005, if you were of a certain age and you made it, right? Had the, you got the job, you were making a little bit more money, you were living in the nicer apartment, you were buying you know, now custom suits, you were staying in nicer hotels on vacation, you were going to go out and get a car too. We were talking about you know, halo cars and things we wanted when we were at that stage, right? So maybe that was a 911 or maybe it was an M3. Um, and if you look at the cost to lease or purchase any of those cars, you have the lease or the purchase and then the depreciation. Right. You have the, the, the insurance, the maintenance, the garage, the garage Manhattan, which is all insane. of that stuff. And then when, you, when you're done adding all of that up, you're talking about you know two to $3,000 easily. Plus, if you're making the money to afford a car like that, you're probably not driving it much because you're working so You're working much. a lot, right? So you're driving it one day a week, two days a week, four days a month, whatever that might be. And so the premise of the car club was that we had the answer for you for any occasion. So if you were going skiing, you might take, today, if you're going skiing, you might take a Defender huh. uh, or an RS6 Avant, right? You're a station wagon guy, right? Huh. So um, if you're going to your high school reunion you, or you know, <laughs> you're driving your son or daughter to the prom, you might want a convertible Rolls. Right. Um, we have the answer for everything, whether it's a Taycan Turbo, a 69 Bronco, uh, a Huracan Performante, GT3. We sort of have the answer for everything. And so as a member, we have social membership and driving membership. Social members, members have access to the club at all times, seven days a week. They can come dine, drink, entertain clients, brunch with the kids, host events, attend our events, whether they're in the clubhouse or around the world. Social members can apply to be driving members. Driving members have access to the fleet. And it's an additional cost. And that cost is directly correlated to what you want to drive and when you want to drive it. Looks sick. Yeah. It's like, for me, honestly, it's if I was that person in the city who, quote unquote, made it, I think that's, the for me, the only way you can do it. I, I, don't, I don't see it being, people do it, but I don't see it being feasible to own cars that you guys have in the fleet in the city reasonably if you're not a member of, of the club. I just don't think it makes sense. Yeah. So we have members who don't have driver's licenses, and mm -hmm. we have members who have fleets larger than ours, <clears throat> and they may store them in New Jersey. And so the problem with that is, you know, you have nine cars, you love your cars, you want to drive your cars, but you have to go get that car. That car's an hour away. You need to notify whoever it is who's storing your car. You know, have my car ready. Um, we're located in Midtown Manhattan. We have a massive, beautiful clubhouse. That's right on the on highway the and yeah. right on the water. Yeah, so we're accessible for everyone coming in and out through the West Side Highway. We sit on the Hudson River. We accommodate about 250 people. That, like, excuse me, 250 people. Out. Can you park yeah. on premise? You can park on premise. It's not guaranteed. We recommend you let us know, but we have a private parking lot. Yeah. That's awesome. So we can see 250 people outside on the river, and then we have a, an 8,000 square foot showroom where we house the cars, but you can dine amongst the cars. We have a private sim room. We have a private dining room and event room, and then we have a bar and restaurant. So six days a week, we're operational as a full-blown restaurant and event space. Um, so you can come in. It, it's members only and their guests. Um, so there's sort of an exclusivity without being pretentious, which we really pride ourselves on. I, I always say we're the least pretentious private members club in the world. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree. The first time we ever went 
we went after, I think it was a comedy event. We were in the city for something like that. And, comedy night, yeah. And we, uh, we went in and I, I hadn't even pictured a place like you guys have. It really did blow my mind. But the thing that really stuck with me, and even to this day, you go in there and you're not just another face like, you know, you know, he chom, you know, you know, Julian, you know, Shane, like people come, they shake your hand. Like, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it, it, it's very, so, it's a really social atmosphere, yeah. which is great. Yeah. So, you know, the shiny objects draw people in. You see the car, you want to drive the car, you want to be near the car, but it's really the experiences in the community mm-hmm. and the networking opportunities. I mean, we see the same faces sometimes five days a week. You know, yeah. we have members who come in five times a year. We have members who come in five times a week and you know, we know we're going to see you tomorrow and you know you're going to see us tomorrow. So it's very much a family atmosphere in that our members want us to be great. So, you know, I've been in the hospitality business for a long time. And usually when you make a mistake, the customer or the guest is really quick to point it out and they want something. Mm-hmm. You know, I want a discount on my bill or whatever. Yeah. At the Classic Car Club, it's, hey, everything was amazing. I waited an extra three minutes for my table. just wanted to let you know your team at the front desk were phenomenal at making me happy while I waited. Right. You know, so it's it's really, um, it's a collaborative process with the members. Yeah, this must have been the perfect thing. Like, you came up in hospitality, and were you always a car guy, or was this something that just kind of took place once you joined the club? And what, and what was your background in hospitality like? Sure. So always a car guy. Grew up, uh, my older brother drove a 2002 before I had a license. I remember swapping out an Alpina rear end and transmission into that car. In his, Yourself? I was a guy handing the tools to my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but Still we, that guy with my dad. Yeah, exactly. But we did it ourselves in, in a parking lot. Um, my dad had uh, an old 5 Series with an M5 engine in it. Wow. So cool. I, I've been a car guy my whole life for sure. Which gem was that? E28, possibly. But yeah, so always been a car guy. Um, I was sort of the outlier. I liked European cars when most of the people around me were driving muscle cars. So guys were driving Camaros and Mustangs, and I was driving a Volkswagen 16-valve GTI. And you know, my car was a great handling car that had European ca- characteristics, and their cars would just you know have massive horsepower. In right. It. And so I've always been a car guy. Um, my background in hospitality is really, I had my own company for about seven years with a business partner who happened to be my oldest friend in the world. Uh, we went to preschool together. Uh, we started a marketing agency and we were representing nightclubs, bars, and lounges, primarily in New York and the Hamptons that grew to become Miami and Vegas a little bit. Um, and then several years later, I, um, I became director of marketing and events for Gerber group, which at the time was called midnight oil company. Uh, that was that is and was Randy Gerber and his brother Scott Gerber's company. At the time, we had probably somewhere around 25 properties. Um, I came on board. We opened another 15 or so. Uh, I was elevated at some point early on to managing partner. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I really felt like I reached the top of the mountain. I was working for some of the smartest people in the business. We were the original hotel partner, so we were... We launched the W brand with Barry Sternlich. Very cool. Yeah, so we were all the whiskey bars, Stone Rose, all those bars. So I did that for 12 years and felt like I got a PhD doing it, um, operating at the highest level, dealing with developers and, and, and owners of properties. So I don't know, throughout my career, I've probably opened, managed, operated, and owned somewhere in the realm of 60 properties. Wow. Yeah. And cars, cars must kind of go, yeah. We, we, <laughs> wow. <laughs> we plan that. Wow. Cars, cars definitely go hand in hand with that sort of a, like the people that you must be around or the people who like to frequent those places, I'm sure. Yeah, fortunately, people who like good restaurants and good scotch and good steaks also often like 
good everything, right? right so yeah. cars, motorcycles, all of that included. Um, growing up, my uncle owned um, an indie Ducati race team. Oh, wow. And so I was, I was in... Um, Too much. <laughs> Too much wow. It's a real wow thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a wow, wow. Um, so I was around that a bit as a teenager. So it was always a priority for me. I always Where did you grow up? I grew up in Manhattan and went to high school in Westchester. Where? Austin High School. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so wrestling school. Yeah. We're, so yeah, wrestlers. Yeah. So when I was there, our wrestling coach was Sports Illustrated Coach of the Year. Wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta work on that. Um, yeah. So anyway, we'll cut the awesome thing. Um, <laughs> we just got the wows too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I moved right back to the city after that. I went off to college. Moved right back to the city. So anyway, back to hospitality. Um, I met the Classic Car Club guys in 2005 when they opened. Um, a client of mine and one of their first members just said, you guys have to know each other. We met for a drink on a rooftop and I left. I walked down the street and there was an F430 and a GT3 uh-huh. parked on the curb. And as I was walking away... What's your GT3? 999... No. Remember 997? 997, yes. Okay. Yeah, correct. 997, like 2005, 6, something like that was. So Michael, I believe it was. It was Michael and Zach that I met with. And Michael said, well, which one do you prefer? And I asked if they were both stick. And he said, no, just the GT3. And I said, then the GT3. And he tossed me the keys and said, see you later. Wow. Yeah. So um, it was friendship first with us searching for ways to collaborate. Um, They had asked me if I was interested in joining them and helping them build this business back in 2005 or six. And I had just recently started this new job working for Randy and his brother. Um, so the opportunity wasn't there. We kept in touch. We did a rally to my bar and hotel in New Orleans. Very cool. Um, it's my favorite city in America. Yeah, it's it's a special place. It is. Um, but you have to know where to go and what to do. And mm-hmm. so we rallied down. We had a welcome party at the bar and restaurant and dinner and all that. And then you do what you do when you're in, you're in New Orleans. Yeah, fall asleep um, on Bourbon Street. Fall asleep, standing up, yeah. leaning on a wall on Bourbon Street, yeah. Um, but that relationship just evolved over the years from friends to some happy hours in my places. And then fast forward to 2011, we decided collectively, Phil, the CEO and founder who opened CCC in London in 95 and Zach and Mike who opened Manhattan with Phil, uh, the four of us decided we wanted to build more of a hospitality project. So we wanted to marry what I was doing with what they were doing. And we found, uh, a way to partner doing that. We looked for real estate for two years unsuccessfully. And then eventually I just, you know, kind of went back to work and said, you know, I'm I'm a partner in this company. I'm running a a massive operation and, you know, call me if something happens kind of thing. Uh, No ill will, still remained friends, still kept in touch, but we missed our opportunity. It was like two ships passing in the Uh night. Um, Fast forward to 2021, they called me and asked me if I wanted to come join the team finally. And was that location, What? how long has the club been in that location that it's in now? So we are in our current location for about seven years. Okay. So, yeah. So I joined a little over two, two and a quarter, two years ago. And so there's some uh, word out there. You guys may be moving. Yes. <clears throat> so we are moving next year into okay. a new space, um, which I can't discuss the location yet. However, it's a beautiful space. NDAs, yeah. it's, in, it's nearby to the current location. Uh, we will have approximately four times the outdoor space, wow. much larger clubhouse, That's great. Uh, more robust offering as far as programming um, within the building, multiple floors. So we'll be able to have 
you know, uh, food program uh, one on this floor, food program two on that floor. Oh, that's great. So there will yeah. be a couple options. Yeah. I mean, our membership calls for it. We have a really sophisticated membership. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our men and women travel the world. They dine in the finest places. They drive the finest cars. And so this is an opportunity. This is 3.0. It's an opportunity to upgrade. So go- going back to kind of what we were talking about before, I think one of the reasons why J&B and, and the car club get along so well is I feel like from a branding standpoint, you guys have been able to do something that we kind of fell into, which was you guys have built this, you know, you don't, you guys don't feel like a corporate space. You feel like a family space. We we're talking about that before. Um, yeah. You know, like we, I've, I've, my brother and I have gotten decently close with Phelan. Uh, he's an awesome guy. Awesome. Um, you know, who's son of Phil. When I've met Phil, he's definitely reserved, but he's a really cool guy. Obviously, you know, you and us have become, you know, close and, from a branding standpoint or from, from your standpoint of somebody who's trying to, to make a hospitality project, how do you feel like you guys can maintain that or, or build that sort of a space? It's a great question. It's hard to scale and stay grounded in your roots, right? So I was able to do that at Gerber Group. I was, we're, we were the best at scaling. So I've learned a lot from that experience and I've opened so many places since. Um, but it really comes down to the three guys, you know, the, the founders. They want it to feel like a family business, right? And they treat employees like family. I'm very fortunate. I'm grateful every day. I get to go to work with people I like, respect, and we work our butts off. You know, we really, we work our asses off to provide the best for the members and our our employees. So no, it, it definitely shows yeah. when you get there, there's definitely like a, a, a wow factor. And, a, you know, I've never been anywhere like this before. And it really comes off with a big presence. And it's somewhere that you'd like to go back to. It's a place you'd like to spend time at. You don't want to leave. Yeah. I think most people walk in and they immediately say, you know, holy shit. Like, yeah. I knew this was here and it's yeah. massive. And, and initially it's overwhelming. When you pull in the parking lot, it's interesting. Right. When you walk in the front desk, it's interesting and you right. want to know more than when you open that front door. It's I think wild. it just smashes you in the face and you're like, I want to be here for a while. This is interesting. I want, how do I come back? Yeah. It's really got that presence. It's You guys really did a phenomenal job. You know, A to Z, food, atmosphere, drink, aesthetically, you get the water right there. It's just, Staffing. You walk into the showroom, it's just like, Again, it's just like constantly hitting you in the face that you're yeah. definitely somewhere that you've never been before, Some someplace that's very, very special and very different. Thank you. So, so. the first time I, we went to the club and I was, I was telling you, it might have been like five or six years ago we went the first time. So probably 2018? Yeah, and we, we weren't members until very recently. And I was just, I was a little drunk and walking around and I went to the bathroom and I which is men's, which is one thing. You guys have this great whimsical uh, sign. Those are actual tracks, by the yes, way. Yes, yeah. They're real tracks. So, What are the two tracks? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the men's track. I should They're know. real. We, we should yeah. probably put a, a little sign that, that would says cool. what the name of the track is. So the, the women's track, um, you know, there's no way of really saying this politically or in a way that's not uh, kind of wild, but it's a, a nice set of uh, boobs. And um, I just thought it was so funny, so I... Most people don't notice it, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, very few people so notice it. And those who do, you know. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so no. But most them. natural but, selection. But you, you can see people noticing it. They kind of step back right. and look at the it men, again, the and then they giggle to themselves. It's a little more obvious. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, they're trapped, so you know it's all professional. I, I was drunk and <laughs> walked in, and I was like, "This is hilarious." And it was right when the iPhone Live pictures were like starting to be a thing. Yeah. So I swiped over and I went to take a photo. And of course, uh, a young lady walked out of the bathroom, and I had my camera directly in her face when she was coming out of the bathroom. Oh, you're that guy. 
Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, yeah, right. Right. That's my picture would probably be on the Cut. Wall. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And then she turned and she was like, the sign. I was like, the sign. She was like, no, totally. I understand yeah. completely. So, yeah. I mean, there's like this whimsical nature, you know, like during COVID, our signs didn't say, please wear a mask. It said, like, you know, wear a mask, don't be a wanker or something uh-huh, like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, like, look, we don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, we have a serious. We, we provide a serious service, right? right? We're held to a really high standard. Serious, but not taking yourself too serious. Yeah, you know, you take yourself too seriously, and before you know it, you know, nobody really wants to be around you. So, right. yeah. you know, we try to provide, you know, an incredibly unique atmosphere to do a lot of different things. It's very difficult sometimes to be everything to everyone, and we know we can't do that, so we just try to be ourselves, you know. What's your favorite car in the fleet right now? Ah, geez, such That's a hard job. For what, though? Like, am I going to get groceries? Am I going on the track? So we, we asked this question. This is a, this is a good one. And, and my answer changes all the time. His changes all the time. And I actually want to hear your answer because you were thinking about it the other day and you didn't really give me a good answer. Dream three-car garage. Price okay. is no... Oh, uh, that's impossible. I'd rather yeah. answer a favorite car in the fleet. Okay. Two favorite <laughs> car in the fleet. Or, or I'll give you just some more specifics. Cause then, and I'll answer first if you want. Your grail car, which I mean, if you had one of those sick apartments where you could put your car in it, this is the car you would put in it. You might even not even drive it. You look at it. <laughs> The weekend car, so it's a little bit less practical, but you could still drive it a lot, rela- uh, reliable, and your daily. So for me, that's something that's fun, a little bit under the radar, reliable, but also like gets me there. Yeah. So I always say my my daily driver is the RS6 Avant. I think that car, you could have a family with that car. You could throw yeah. all the soccer bags in the back, but it's an absolute rocket ship. Lacrosse bags, by the way. Right. Yeah. Lacrosse bags. That's what that's what you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. My kids are gonna wrestle and do soccer, but <laughs> okay. I will say. Uh, and then my weekend car probably would be a GT3 Touring. I think that car is the perfect weekend car. It's mm-hmm. got the speed, but it's a little bit more understated than a normal GT3. And then a XJ220 is my grill car. Oh. I think that car is stunning. It's fast as hell. It blew cars away at the time, and it still holds up. So that's to give you some sort of an aspect okay. of what we're looking for. What do you think? Your three-car garage. Your three-car garage. It's um, so hard. It is hard. Money's no object. The car where it's like money's no object and like it's more a piece of art and just like I can't believe this car is in front of me is the Enzo. It's always the Enzo. It's yeah. like my favorite car forever. Um, my weekend car right now, and this just like changes all the time, it's probably uh, probably like an F8 convertible. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Um, an everyday car. That's really the toughest one, honestly. You currently need an everyday car. And I currently need an everyday car, and I'm probably not going to get the everyday car that I really, really want. <laughs> His I everyday car has lights on it and is like sounds like it's going to explode. So yeah, I'm waiting for it to catch on fire. Once it catches what is it, it, it is a 2012 Cayenne Turbo. I saw it outside. Yeah, yeah it's a nice yeah. car. It's going to catch on fire soon. It. So I, I got a really great yeah. car. They're cool. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe you know, maybe a new RS6 would probably be my you know. Everyday car, I don't know. So many. It's it's t- that's the that's the toughest one for me. Yeah. yeah. Or not. I think you learn a lot about a person from that that question. Yeah. And so mine's actually really similar to yours. It's just different brand. So I think as an everyday car, probably they don't sell it here, but right, this is a dream, so I can bring it here. It's mm-hmm. probably an wagon. M M three touring the wagon. Okay. Um, I think that'd be the everyday. Um, the weekend car would probably be the new nine eleven ST. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I think there are only something like 1963 of them, right? So that thing looks amazing. Very similar to a GT3 Touring. And then the Grail car, I don't know because it's not the most expensive. 
but there's something about a 3.0 CS. Fully restored. Okay. Maybe a little retro modded, like, you know, maybe a little bit more current. I like, now you see all the... the it's a favorite of my dad's. Current BMWs have that... Uh, Heritage. ...panel badge on them that that car kind of... I yeah. think it was probably the first car that, that I had. It. Yeah. That car had a pretty, a pretty big funky grill, too. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I've, I've never had one. I've never driven one. But every time I see one, I just kind of ooh and ah and have to talk to the person who's driving it. Um yeah, that's just sort of it's and it, they're much more expensive versions. Yeah, of that's the a Nancy. specific car. What do you think that car costs now? You would probably know better than me. Um, in great shape, hundred grand, hundred twenty grand. Prices of cars are crazy right now. Wow. What that ST? Did you see your that? everyday car? Maybe more expensive than your grill car. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, so it's not about money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, I read an article saying that the ST, you can buy the car, but they are. Maintaining the cars is a lease. The for first year lease, so you can't flip it. Which I I like, right? Like I we have a ton of customers, not to you know shit on any of our customers that are in and out of cars in six months. Yeah, and you know we're motorcycle guys, which you don't see it as much. I mean, you might see it like that Ducati has that Lamborghini sixty three. Yeah. Uh, Street What's Fighter. that bike, Diablo? Yeah, the Street the, the, the they do a Diablo. I don't know they did it with Street Fighter. And they I, actually do an SVJ. Think they just, yeah, they just released. Uh, no, I thought they just. Maybe it's a Panigale. I thought Maybe. they released a Street Fighter that's a, a Lambo livery. But you see it in watches too, where people are just in and out of these things. Like yeah. Things that I really find a liking for and would like to, you know, affordably buy something. You know, listen, okay, the ST is a car that I, I think is specifically made for a very important clientele. Like yeah. Somebody like Jerry Seinfeld probably gets an ST, right? Absolutely. But, you know, there was that whole thing with the, when the Ford GT came out and John Cena had one. And he flipped it, and he signed that contract. I, I do think it devalues the won, car. And he won that lawsuit. Right. So we have one. So oh, we, have, we have a Ford GT. Uh, yeah. And we've, we've never bought a car as an investment, but we don't drive this one. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Have you driven it? No. I've heard it's incredible. It gets moved from like this spot over here to that spot over there. I just don't know like what happens to car culture if it – I think it's probably – it's been like that for a long time, right? Where cars, people buy cars just to be able to buy cars, right? Yeah. I just don't know where it goes. Where well, it goes. I, I get the idea that you buy something and it doesn't live up to the hype or it That's doesn't fine. suit your lifestyle. That's fine. Or, I mean, it's sort of the premise of what we do, right? There's no, there, there's really no one car. Your R6 Avant can't do absolutely everything as much as in your mind it does, right? right? But it doesn't really, it's pretty close. But it doesn't really, right? It's not a convertible in the nice weather. It's not, you know, rear-wheel drive when you want to drive a, a real sports you know, car. You take that on the date with that girl from Tinder, you know? I mean, you, we might, but, yeah. you know. I think, I'm I think it's not. like there's kind of two people out there, people that are kind of using cars as an appliance. Like, you, 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 you have a goal with it. It's either to get to A to B or, you know, if you're kind of gross, you're using it just to make money. Yeah. But then everyone else has kind of like a romantic attachment to a car. And like the idea is you're going to kind of like fall in love with this thing and grow old with this thing and yeah. like really learn the idiosyncrasies. And like that's what makes you fall in love with the car. Yeah, like you work yeah. on it a little that bit. That idea that you're going to inherit your father's car, right? Yeah. 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 Like the, the most in love I've ever been with a car, my first 911 was a C2 cab 997. And just nothing sounded like that. I would rip up the screen. Yeah. Set uh, third and fourth, and just like the car was just like possessing me, screaming at me to drive harder, and it's just yeah. like I've never had that connection with the car. I felt like I was a part of the car, and like if you're just in and out of these cars, it's just a status thing. It's a money making thing. You kind of lose what you know 
car enthusiasts have and make you just really love a car. Like you right. just lose that whole Well, how many times feel. have you heard that somebody wants to buy a car they had years ago? I mean, that's me with my E36, right? Right. So my E36 M3 was my version of your 911, right? Right. Um, and those cars will always hold a, a spot in our hearts, right? And we'll always what was look that at car? That was a 95 OBD1 uh, E36 M3. Coupe? Coupe, manual. Color? Uh, Alpine white with Dove Vaders. Okay. Sick. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, it was, it was, the Vaders. It was very Miami, even though I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I've fallen in and out of love with the idea of a white car. Sometimes I absolutely love it because yeah. it just really pops on some cars. Something about it is very like Italian Sweet 16 gift. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and something's just a little... I don't know, on a Beamer, I don't always love it. And repairability standpoint, I think the colors fade a little bit. I think it's difficult to match. Yeah. I do love that it always looks clean. It does always look clean. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I there, don't know. There's one on, well, a platform that I won't mention. <laughs> there's one on a platform right now. It's got 14,000 original miles. Wow. Uh, I think it's got several Arms days left on. a mailer. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, I think it's at 51 grand right now. Wow. And it's got days left. Crazy. Yeah, but it's my car. My someone, my brother actually sent it to me and didn't even say a word. Just sent, sent it. To it me. Yeah. And I was just like, holy the shit! That's my, that's my car. If you could get it specced any way you wanted it now, would you do it the same way? You mean colors and stuff? Yeah. Ooh. Um, for nostalgia, probably. But if I never had it, no, I don't think so. What would you do? I don't know. I mean, Dakar yellow is amazing, yeah, but I, I don't know that, that I would want to be in a, a Dakar yellow car all the time but maybe um they made a like a diamond black that was like a metallic that was very mm -hmm. nice i don't know i recently saw one that i don't think was was distributed here that was like a green okay like, like a british racing green mm -hmm. yeah metallic or flat flat okay um, i don't know if that's even a stock i saw color. another one on that same bid site that we won't mention <laughs> in that color i think and it was yeah. like silver is really nice too yeah. silver it's just the car looks good in silver but anyway, I don't know. I think I'd take it in any color, just about. If you could have only one color for every car from now till you die, Shit. generic color. doesn't have to be like... Well, if I add it up, I've had more white cars than anything else. More white? Yeah. Is I mean, I think Italian cars should be red. Okay. You know, British cars should be green. Green, yep. Um, French cars German should be blue. Car yeah, German cars, it, it's a little bit more, you know, whatever looks good. Um, I think I'd have to say white. I think I would have to say white. Yeah, I feel, I'm remembering mom only having the S-Class in white, and mm -hmm. she had that Lexus truck. Everything else has that been all over the place. Lexus black. So go. let's see, would the, would the RS6 look good in white? No, see, I don't think I'd want an RS6 in white. No. For me, I could do almost everything in either black or silver. I don't know which one wins. Yeah. I really like silver a lot. I really like black a lot. Black just doesn't always show... Doesn't always show the lines, lines of the car, and it well. looks dirty all the time. And it yeah. always looks dirty, but nothing looks better than a black car. Okay, so my favorite current paint is probably the Isle of Man green on the. Okay, on that the is series. a very cool color. Do you guys have a favorite color? You see so many cars, you oh, paint cars all man. the time. That's a tough one. That's a really tough question. That's a very hard. It's gonna come because I took the best answer. Time. That's yeah. a very very good answer. Yeah. My favorite, one of my... I fall in and out of love with a lot of stuff, so... My, my favorite spec tends Bahama to be... Bahama Yellow. Yeah, you always say that. Bahama Yellow. My favorite spec always tends to be a bright, vibrant, metallic, British racing green S color with brown interior. I think that is just super classy. It only yeah. works on every car, right. but it 
I've seen that color combo on a few cars that have just made me say, that is quintessential class. Like, I'm thinking in my head right now, just picturing an Aston Martin with green and brown interior, and that's just stunning. Other than that, I mean... So that's two greens. It's two greens. Which, who would in trend right now, too. Oh, yeah. I would say so. I think we're falling out of it a little bit. Greens are definitely in. I mean, that color. Like, I think it's starting to die. Well, like, chalk uh, chalk was... Chalk and chalk alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. We saw... Brooklyn gray. I think we had three chalk GT4s at once, one time. That color just... And each guy came in. No, there were... uh, We had three chalk GT3s, and each guy came in. GT4s. Like, no, no, no. Threes? They were threes, yeah. Wow. I know. (laughs) And each guy came in back to back to back. And just really told me at length how rare that color was. Yeah. And then the next one rolled right in. I was like, this is, I'm the only guy that has it. And then the next one came in. By the way, we have a chalk GT4. GT4, yeah. With, uh, I don't know what the color is, but they're like gold, bronze. What, what's the uh, color? It starts with an A. Yeah. That, that, uh, so, so we have the, um, the Taycan Cross Turismo. Okay. In that color with those chalk. wheels, and we have the chalk, and we have a GT4 Which, same setup. From a pairability standpoint, is a nightmare. Nightmare. It is a nightmare. Well, the, you know, there's a lot of. I would venture to say that if you got, you know, any color, like let's Isle of Man green, you just said it right. You bring in three Isle of Man green uh, M3s, the same color will not match. I'll have to make a different sprout for each one. Sure. But if you look at them, they kind of all look the same. Right. At that time, we had those three chalk GT3s. And they looked wildly different. Like from the naked eye next to each other, you could see this one was way more yellow, way more green, way lighter, way darker. And if you see like our spray out book that we made in the first, I don't know, three months of chalk gray, yeah. it's like that. Really? Where it's like, and, yeah. And each spray out is like a millimeter. Like, like the only thing that so we have that compares is like Rosso Corso just because, because of how long they've made it and like the age and the wear of the cars, it could be so different, but like that color being so new, it's like knocking on the door of the same amount of swatches that we yeah. made. So what are, do you think other people would notice the differences? Or is I think if you were you looking it, for you it, yeah. We, can, yeah, sure. we can mostly coach people into seeing it, yeah. and it's something we try not to do unless we need to, Yeah, because you could, like, you could ruin a person's car. You could also hit like a point where you're looking at a color, like if I'm like, what do you think? Does this door match? Does it not match? And like after long enough, you can convince yourself that it does or does not match. Yeah. And it's like, what am I looking at? But what yeah. are what are three? Like if you, if you had to, someone said I'm going to buy a new car. What color should I get from a repairability standpoint? Are there three colors? Like, what do you stay away from? Um, it kind of depends on like if you're trying to keep them clean, if you're just trying to match paint. You know what you're looking to do. Um, As a guy who owns a body shop, what do you think? I hate pearl white. I absolutely hate pearl white. I don't think it looks good. Um, it's very difficult to match. From factory, it never matches. Um, I, I'm just. I think it's there's so much millage on the panel that I think it sometimes looks a little bit wavy. I just do not like it. Um, not as. Sometimes a metallic black can be a little difficult. It's a lot of pearl. Like I don't really love Daytona Narrow for similar reasons. You know, grays are, are a little difficult. Silvers are a little difficult. Um, even like a flat white can be tough. I think black is always going to be a little bit easier. Colors with no metallic. Flat black, yeah. Are going to be a little Not bit easier. Flat, like yeah. A, a non What about quality of paint job from the factory? Who's doing it the best? 
It's a good one. <laughs> I, and I know you guys deal with all the manufacturers. That might be a question you don't love answering. But I'm yeah, there, there's also a lot of different answers to that question because yeah, right. you know, like there's okay. So let's remove the Halo cars, right? Let's take Bugatti out of the conversation. Rolls Royce, you know. Yeah, I I, I think um, you know Rolls Royce and Bentley do a great job. A lot of their colors they double clear, so they look super glossy, super thick. Yeah. Um, without being wavy, and they have almost no orange peel, so it almost looks like you're looking into a mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like Porsche does a great job. Like we very, very rarely see a factory yeah, defect. Um, you know, I don't love the paint on a BMW because I don't like the level of orange peel Tons or distinction of image that you're going to see. Um, I, I really think that in terms of a matte paint job, Mercedes-Benz has it nailed right on the head. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, some other matte paint jobs I see that are absolutely atrocious. You know, so much orange peel. Don't love the level of shine. I think Mercedes-Benz, it's very durable. I also tell everyone never get a factory matte car because they're very difficult to maintain. I was going to ask, so what do you do with all these factory matte cars in four years when they're all shiny and you just have to wrap everything immediately yeah. as before you put 10 miles on it like okay. get it towed it has to pretty much come to us yeah and or or a wrap shop you know but a great option is also just getting a gloss car and wrapping it with self i think you get the same end result i just think that if anything happens to so the that's car a, that's a matte ppf that gives the impression that the paint was matte in the first place right right it's okay. the same thickness as a regular ppf yeah. um and i think it just you know it's, you're not going to get that look with a vinyl um it's got a really it's very durable you know it, it's somewhat self-healing it's got like somewhat of a, a wet look it's not matte matte it's like it's satin yeah um which is good because if it's too matte it'll scratch very easily okay um and just kind of looks cheap have you uh, have you ever had any accidents? You ever been in a car accident? Yes. Any any fun stories with that? Um, none of them were fun. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, maybe looking back. Yeah. So I had a three hundred ZX twin turbo uh, with a little bit of work done to it, and it was a beautiful winter day sunny warm and the sun was going down and all the melt on the road turned into black ice Mm. so i was going 35 miles an hour i had a very old friend of mine pass me in a jeep grand cherokee actually i don't think it was called a grand cherokee at that point uh a jeep cherokee he flew by me he must have been going 60 and i was going 30 or 35 and i hit a patch of black ice and i started to rotate towards the guardrail I was able to recover it, but when I recovered it, I hit the black ice again because it was just one long strip, uh, and I wound up in a ditch. And I had to take the t-top off and climb out no to way. get out. Yeah, the doors were jammed shut. I was. Wow. Li- you hear people. Uh, you know. Oh, I was in a ditch. I was literally in a ditch. When was this? Door- Sorry, what year? Um, fifteen years ago. Something like that. Maybe a little longer. I'm. I. This is gonna sound. Cell phones were a thing at that point. Cell phones were a thing. Okay. Wise ass. <laughs> no, were the dinosaurs still roaming around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, were you able to call for help? Yeah, I was able to call for help. Um, call the tow truck. Um, Did you have an interesting bike crash story recently? Bike crash story. Was it you? Did you get into a bike accident? No. Okay. Wow. <laughs> good yeah, that is definitely it. not good no somebody was telling us that they had a Jeez, uh, that they had a inflatable we thought that was you no one of those uh, 
what are they called? Airbag for Airbag the, the motorcycle. Yeah, 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 no, not me. Well, that's good. Yeah, like you said, that's <laughs> really good. I, um, I've been in a few accidents, uh, but one story that I like that isn't an accident. How many story. could you have been in? You're like 12. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have had. Don't talk to my dad about that. <laughs> hot topic. Uh, hit a deer in one car, totaled it. Uh, six months ago, somebody decided to not look and turn into my car, T-boned me in my Tesla, totaled it. Um, I was upstate snowboarding and somebody was texting, phones were a thing at that time, and uh, rear-ended me, totaled it. Yeah. And then, oh, I got T-boned. Uh, somebody threw through, flew through a stop sign. So I've been in a few accidents, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't do math anymore because my head's been rattled so much, but that's okay. That's what story My favorite story that includes my uh, cops or anything was when we were upstate. I'd really love if you remember the story to tell the story. <laughs> we were in Wyndham where we used to skate yeah. about two hours up, and it might have even been that Cayenne. Yeah, we were driving that Cayenne. And, um, it was late on a Friday, I think. It was really late on a Friday. It's like Michael wants to tell us a little story. <laughs> but, uh, Just try to help out. We were... Uh, we were driving to our destination. We were very close. We got through the main road. My dad was like, God, be careful. There's so many cops. So we get pulled over. Um, we were going a little too fast. We were in that Cayenne Turbo, which was like brand new at the time. Yeah. And um, he pulls us over. He takes you know, our light, my license, PBA cars. He's there for so long in the back. And we're like, what is going on? Like, I'm going to get slammed with tickets. We're not from here. Drive all the way back they don't like that. It's going to be like, yeah, come up here to go to court. And like out of nowhere, he just like comes back and he's like, how's this car? I was like, it's cool. He's like, it's pretty sick, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. And he's like, all right. And he like gives me back my license. He's like, get out of here. Yeah. Next time I pull you over, you better have some bitches in the back. And we're no like, kidding. Whoa, what happened? <laughs> that was it. Wow. So I love Now you got story. me saying wow. Yeah. 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 So that's a good one. I mean, there's always room for a cop like that who wants yeah. to just kind of, you know, Keep things light and make things fun. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose I, I you've had all those accents. I've only had one. In the Porsche. In ever. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I hit a deer like six months oh, ago. No, you got into an accident. Here we go. Bronxville. Oh, from sleep yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, all the stories come out. You forgot all that yeah. That counted. <laughs> yeah, that one counted. To me, it didn't count. It broke your heart. It broke my heart. That was a 991.1. Black. Black, black, the best way, pretty much for me. Um, S C two S cab, and I was pulling out of a spot, feeling fine. Not looking. Not looking. <laughs> <laughs> and some older lady smashed me in a Camry, and I mean, listen, if you smash me so hard on the right side that my left quarter is pushing my left door, could it all be my fault? Could it all be my fault? But when I hit well, you a deer would know recently, you're the expert. I don't think it was my fault. But uh, <laughs> everyone else seemed to think it was. I hit a deer recently, and like I don't know why I remember growing up. Everyone always told me that if you ever think you're gonna hit a deer, and it's like the stupidest thing. Like multiple people told me, speed up, and like the deer will just like pop in the air and like do a flip and land on its feet, and like everyone's fine. So like I saw the deer coming and like I knew I couldn't avoid it. So, so I'm like, let me speed up and I smashed this thing and it did not work like that <laughs> at all. The movie's lied to you. Yeah. Yeah, all my friends from high school were wrong. <laughs> Sounds like a cartoon. Oh <laughs> yeah. The deer didn't flip over and land on its feet. 
Yeah. It's a terrible uh, experience. At least Michael picked me up. It was at five in the morning. I was yeah. going to work and Michael picked me up. He didn't want to and it made him brother. Good, good yeah. brother. Yeah. So I had a deer jump out in front of me on an entrance ramp once and I avoided it. I put two BBS wheels over the curb onto the grass, destroyed the wheels. But did that not, was it? But did not hit the No deer. suspension damage, no body no work? suspension damage. What no car was it? Uh, my GTI. Okay. Yeah. Came with three PS, three piece BBSs. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I was on a motorcycle once in the left lane, cruising very slowly past the car in the middle or the right lane, whatever it was. And as I get next to the guy who's driving with his entire family, I look at him, he looks at me, kind of nods his head at me, looks forward again, and then proceeds to just swerve right into me. So I swerved to the left, stood up on my left peg and kicked his door with my right leg. Wow. And he swerved back and then cursed at me that I had kicked his car. But wow. He, but he tried to kill me. So that was, yeah. that was a while ago. Nobody's wow. tried to kill me recently. What bike was that? Uh, that's a great question. I don't remember. You've always had a bike? I bought my first bike when I was a freshman in college. My father, so I grew up around bikes. My uncle had the race team. My brother was riding bikes when he was probably around 19. I've, the first time I rode a bike, I found it in the garbage with a friend. We fixed it. It was like a <laughs> Honda CB350. We fixed it and we rode it. And we were doing 70 miles an hour, no helmet, no nothing. Speed. Had no idea what we were doing, but we were riding a motorcycle. But um, my father forbid me from buying a motorcycle. So he said, while you're under my roof, you can't have a motorcycle. There's just no bumpers and you know, I don't want you to get hurt. So I went away to college and I bought a bike and I brought it home on spring break or summer or whatever it was. And he said, you know, I, I told you you can't have a bike while you live under my roof. And I said, but I don't live under your roof anymore. I live at school. So, you're kidding me? You know, so, but I've had a bike since then. So that was- That's like, college logic. Yeah, college logic. So uh, since I was 19, and I took a long break. I took a really long break. I didn't ride much for about- My dad told me the same thing and I came home with a Harley. There you go. And then he went out and got a Ducati like the next week. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he was, uh, I don't know how serious he was about it. What's your favorite bike that you've ever had? Is it the one you have now? Uh, Ducati MH900 Evolution. It's a limited edition Hellwood uh, tribute bike. They, they made that bike just to take it um, to shows. Uh, I think it was like around 2000, 1999. And so it was a show bike that they toured around the world and the demand to produce it was so great that they decided to make a thousand of them. Wow. And they sold it online at the stroke of midnight, the year 2000. It was the first motorcycle wow. sold online, I believe. That's sick. And um, it sold out in something like 28 minutes or 32 minutes, whatever. It sold out in a half an hour. Um, so they produced another thousand. Wow. And I was able to get one. How'd you get your hands on that, on the second thousand? Uh, so it wasn't me, I was too young, despite the implications before uh, my uncle got it and I got it from my uncle. Nice. Yeah. So that's, that was, and still is my favorite motorcycle. I think it's one of the most beautiful bikes ever produced. Noah, tell me um, in the next few months, what are some events coming up at the club that you're super excited about? Sure. Um, Good question. Sure. So we've got fight night coming up in November. I know you Those two are, are a huge fan. Those fight are great. Um, so that's coming up early November. We need a table, by the way. We need a table. I got you. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the comedy night also coming up in November, which is something that existed pre-COVID that we brought back last year. We've done a couple of them. Huge success. So what do you bring? Bring comedians? Very similar to the way we set up the room for um, fight night, except we make the room as small as possible rather than as big as possible. Um, and we have a guy who produces comedy shows, and he's a, he's a comic himself, so he performs, but he also really MCs, and he brings in talent. So we do dinner and a show at the club, which is really fun. And we only do it a couple times a year. Um, we are planning F1 Miami for May. So we'll take 25 members down to Miami for four or five days. Should um, we go? You guys should definitely go. Got to talk to Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk to Dad. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, we've been doing pop-up dinners with um, restaurants that we've invited in to operate. Yeah, in there's our one space tomorrow, morning. right? Yes, there's one tomorrow, so you should come. All the members should come. This is, um, uh, Bonnie's was last time, right? Bonnie's was the first one. Um, we're doing another one tomorrow. You guys need a table. Consider it booked. So you should come. Um, so it's really nice because we're able to offer something different and special to the members, and we're handpicking the restaurants that we think are really cool and unique and innovative. We're bringing them in for a night. Um, in some cases, we offer a smaller version of our standard menu for the people who don't want to participate. But, you know, it's a one-night you know, catch it or miss it kind of That's situation. Awesome. Yeah, so we're, we're scheduling a bunch of those. Um, we just had an incredible um, networking event, which we built a panel on collaboration, so the power of collaboration in business. So that might be collaborating with your constituents. It might be more often collaborating with other brands. Sort of, you could call this podcast a collaboration. Two brands that operate in a similar space and have kind of the same ethos come together to create something bigger and better. So would you say you're at the same level of operation that you were previous to COVID or are you beyond that, below that? So yeah, so we're busier than we've ever been. Okay. Um, the okay. business has definitely evolved since COVID. COVID created a pent up need um, to get out and do things. So people you know, used to hear that very young people weren't buying homes and apartments. They just wanted to travel the world and have experiences. And I think COVID caused everyone to feel that way. What? Yeah, everyone feels that way. So we're hearing about more young people buying again, but we're hearing about people of all ages who just want to travel to have unique experiences. So, you know, we provide that. Um, last Ju last June, July, we took fifteen members to I the Isle of Man uh, wow. for the TT races. So people, bucket we, list we kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we put together bucket spa, lists. Nurburgring. We've done spa Nurburgring oh, three right. years ago. We did Isle of Man last year. We're talking about. Um, uh, tour of Italy and Italian sports cars. You know, like the heart of the club is mo is uh, cars, but it seems like the true heart of the club is motorcycles. Like it seems like that's everyone's honest. Well, it's, it's, it's so many of our passions, right? So yeah. it's funny you say that. So just today, I said I want to do a motorcycle trip. So we're planning a, a local trip. So that I really like. A week do. from this weekend. So really? two, two weekends from now, we're gonna go upstate Saturday, stay over in to a where? hotel. It uh, looks like we're going to make Hudson the destination. Love and the Hudson. reason for that is because there's so much to do. You park your motorcycle in front of the hotel, and we can walk everywhere. Yeah, you do the motor. It's not this weekend, cafe, but next weekend? Motor cafe. Yeah, so not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. You guys have a relationship with some, uh, like a cabin or something up there? On the so we have a lot of members and, and staff um, who have homes there. So, yeah, we, we've okay. been known to make them available to members That's on occasion. Great. Yeah, I mean, full service. You know, you want to stay in our houses, stay in our houses. That's it. Yeah. So, so yeah. we have a partnership with um, Moto Guzzi, mm -hmm. um, and so that adventure bike at the uh, with the club the other day that bike's 
Epic Sign. Yeah, so this is going to be a Moto Guzzi Aprilia getaway. So okay. um, we're going to make we're going to make. I'll be on a Ducati, but uh, but we're going to make the Guzzis and um, and Aprilias available to members if they don't cool. have bikes but they have licenses. So we're going to go up to Hudson, big dinner, and then the next day, whatever you want in the morning, maybe we'll stay together and do breakfast, um, and then ride ride around upstate and head. Very back. cool. Yeah, How you does should one... come. I'm counting you in. I'm going to go right? Yeah. Awesome. How do you get involved? How so, do you yeah. become a member? Sure. Applying to become a member is very simple. You just go to our website, classiccarclubmanhattan.com. You can fill out an application. We review the applications periodically. Uh, we invite prospects in for a tour of the, the club, and it's an opportunity for us to get to know them a little bit. Um, we're very inclusive. There aren't like boxes we need to check. Um, most people who come in either get what we do or don't, and it's sort of as simple as that. Um, and then every 30 to 60 days, we admit new members. Do you foresee the new location being more or less exclusive or about the same situation? Yeah, so again, I think we are inclusive and we want to grow our membership. Our membership, as we look at it, is really about a community. So growing the community is a really important goal of ours and it's how we get to know and work and become friends with people like you guys, right? It's how we come out to the car show to support the charity. It's all about building the community, getting to know people who are out there. So our membership will certainly scale when we move. We'll have more capacity. So we'll be able to do that and still maintain, you know, amazing amount of space and comfortability and all of that. Awesome. Perfect. Anything else you want to plug or promote or talk about? Yeah. Noah for president, 2024. I love it. I really, really like that. Noah for president. Um, Buy more Ducatis. Buy more Ducatis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate you coming out and doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know we're big fans. There's no place we'd rather bring a crashed car than to JMB. We appreciate it. Nobody uh, likes to see us, but yeah, we hate, we're we here. hate seeing your faces, but if we have to see your face, no, but seriously, you guys, you guys are Thank the you. best in the biz and Thanks. we love working with you. And we have so good coffee too. You have good coffee. <laughs> you make a good coffee. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Anytime. My pleasure. Right. Pleasure. Cool.